95.3 WBCK. Welcome to the Cowardly Gardener Show. Everything from azaleas and asparagus to zenobia and ZZ plants. If it's growing in the Battle Creek area, Bob Coward's here to tackle your question. Here's your host, Bob Coward. Uh, Van Halen or Sammy Hagar? Well, combined nine, ten Ooh. if you include the time I went to Cabo Wabo and saw him through the door. Oh, man. Well, I figured you'd probably seen him a few times. Though. Yeah, it was uh, quite a few times. And I think the first time was in uh, 1981. He was at the Lansing Civic Center for the Standing Hampton tour. So oh, okay. Quite a, quite a while ago. But yeah, saw him when he was young, saw him when he's old. So he's still rocking at 75 years old. You know, I think the first rock concert I actually went to... I think it was when I was 17 years old, and I, I, I didn't fool around. I just didn't go to a rock concert. I went to a rock festival, and it was three days long in Goose Lake in near Jackson, and it was a three-day festival. My parents actually let me go to that thing, and, oh, man, you know, it was like 250,000 people there, and the I-94 was shut down. You couldn't go anywhere, and... Well, we were there having a good time for three days, and, uh, well, well. Who'd you see that you really liked? Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull. That's the first time I saw Tull, that everybody was there. You had 10 years after, Chicago, Alice Cooper, you name it, they were there. Yeah, it was it was kind of the Woodstock of Michigan, really. It sure was, and it was the last one, too. They <laughs> they said, we don't want this going on anymore. They, they had other ones, but nothing that big. Yeah, well, you know, back in those days, rock and roll was, a, you know, somewhat shunned. I was actually watching a thing last night about the Rolling Stones when they played in Havana, Cuba, and they were interviewing some Cubans, and they said, well, back in the 60s, if we were caught playing this kind of music, we'd be thrown in prison. So, yeah, you know, you thought it was bad in Goose Lake. Oh, Imagine man. being in Havana. 441-9595, 441-9595. If you have a question for Bob Coward, the phone lines are open, so give us a call at 441 95 Nine five. So, I do. Uh, I do have a couple things I want to start with. Well, I was going to ask you. You must have something on your mind. What's well, been going on? Well, you know, last week it was like uh, you know getting pulled over by the police in here. The lights were flashing. The sirens were going off. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we was, went off the air. Yeah, and... went off the air. All this kind of stuff. Well, I got several messages from people around the country that said, hey, we can hear you over the internet. So Good. had Vicki from Apache Junction, Arizona contacted me and said, hey, I can hear you. So obviously it was still working on the internet. It may not have been going over the air, but yeah, the World Wide Web was working. So we were we were being listened to all over the country. Yeah, so. the Serial City was silent, but they could hear us wide across the internet all around the world. Isn't that something that they can listen to your show in the uh, middle of Africa if they got a satellite hookup? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I broadcast my show from the middle of Yosemite National Park a few years back, right at the base of Yosemite Falls. So quite wow. a thing. But one of the other things I wanted to mention, too, there was a nice article on the uh, WBCK website this week about you and dave oh yeah did yeah. you see that uh, yeah well i sort of wrote that story. you sort of wrote that <laughs> well you know it's kind of funny because i showed that to a couple people and they said how cute yeah I when they weren't talking about you no no <laughs> uh, it's definitely not me it's the dog <laughs> but well you know the thing is we had a uh, a press release about the spca and uh, the bissell foundation was they spent all this money on helping dogs get adopted during October. 
So we like to tie things in to make it local. So I thought, hey, I'll talk about Dave. It's his five-year anniversary with me. So we'll write a little story about me and Dave and then talk about how Bissell is helping all of these stray dogs and cats. So. Well, you know, Dave, Dave has, has quite an exciting morning on Saturdays because he gets to see Dr. Pete. And, of course, Dr. Pete has smells on him that oh, yeah. every dog loves. You know, he smells like cats and dogs and the vet yeah. clinic and everything else. And no, then, Dave can pick out the breed. Yeah. He, mm, a little collie. Yeah, that's right. He probably he probably knows <laughs> if it's a German Shepherd or a Great Dane or whatever it is. So he, he, he kind of likes that. And then I come in and he sniffs me and I don't smell as good. No, he, I smell like a cat, so he doesn't like that. Well, he's got a cat for a friend at home. Well, yeah. He, he, I think he likes the smells of the dogs a little oh, bit. Oh, he prefers it, but, you know, we'll be sitting in bed watching Lawrence Welk, and Dave will climb up and lay across my stomach so he can lick the cat. So uh, <laughs> the cat likes it. You know, at first the cat was a little standoffish about Dave. But now it just lays there and lets him clean his ears and you name it. You know, the cat says, hey, this isn't so bad after all. Well, Dave is probably the most laid-back Jack Russell I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, I can see how a cat could warm up to him in a short amount of time. Yeah, he's a little infectious when it comes to love. 441-9595. Give us a call. The lines are open. We will talk about plants here sooner or later. Yes. (laughs) 441-9595. And, uh, well, is there any uh, landscaping tips that uh, we should think about here for the fall? Well, you know, right now, and maybe not right now, but this weekend is going to be an excellent time to get out there and mow your lawn. Probably, I won't say for sure, but probably the last mowing of the year. So you Mm want to kind of drop your blade down if you can. Or if you got a whole bunch of leaves, shred a lot of those leaves back into the lawn because that's beneficial for the tree and also beneficial for the lawn. And with the way the weather is, I came in, it was raining, but I'm telling yeah. you, I think I've spit more in the last day than it's rained right now, you know, and, and it doesn't look like we're going to get a downpour rain. So those leaves are going to be nice and dry and, and should be, you know, easy to shred with your mower and put them back into the lawn. So and I can go ahead and do that because I that was my plan. I was going to do leaves and I thought, well, now they're saying it's going to rain. But Well, I got to believe by tomorrow or Monday it's going to be a lot better because they were fairly dry in my yard yesterday. And when I left, they were still pretty dry. And I, I just don't think we're going to get much rain to really dampen them up and create a problem where you're not going to be able to shred them with your mower. Now, if they're six or eight or 10 inches deep, your mower may not want to chop them up. But uh, usually if you go a couple different directions, you can cut them up and get them chopped up to roughly the size of a dime or so. And even if it's an oak leaf, it's okay. Uh, That still will slowly decay into the lawn and, and do its thing. And of course, you know, if you haven't put your fall fertilizer on, if you only fertilize one time a year, you know, now is the time to do it. You okay. know, we've had some good weather coming up this week, and that fertilizer will have a chance to get down into the soil, and that'll really thicken your lawn up. Grass grows its roots until the ground freezes. So mm-hmm. we got at least another month or maybe more before the ground starts to freeze. So any fertilizer you put on is just going to thicken that lawn up for next year and, and still have time to put down a broadleaf weed killer. So if you have dandelions or different types of weeds, chickweeds, clovers, things like that, you can go out there and spray uh, with something like weed-free zone or something like that, and that'll knock a lot of those weeds down, and then you won't have them next spring because most of your dandelions and most of your weeds are born in August, and that weed killer works the best on young weeds versus older weeds, and then it'll soak in over the course of the winter and kill their roots, and you won't have any next spring. Cool. 
Yeah, Dave and I were out uh, in the yard uh, 2.30 this morning getting ready to head to work, and uh, I noticed the leaves, and I thought, hey, we got good news. There's supposed to be high winds today, up to 60 miles per hour gust. Yep. And hopefully... These are going to get blown into my neighbor's yard, and I won't have to worry about it. Yeah, and that's a good thing if, you, if the neighbor has to do all the work for you. Yeah. It's, that's perfectly fine. I'll run them over a pop and say, hey, good job. I told my wife, we got some, some leaves out by the road, and my neighbor's, my neighbor's going to be out of town the next few days. I thought, told her, I said, well, let's just pick them up and go throw them in his yard. He just cleaned them up before he <laughs> left, so why not? He'll never know the difference. He'll come yeah. back, and they'll be, they'll be all full of leaves. That's what I like about you, Bob. You're always thinking about the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, my neighbor Ken and I, we have a have a love-hate relationship. So. <laughs> 441-9595, give us a call, and that number again, the lines are open, 441-9595. Four four one nine five nine five. That number again is four four one nine five nine five. If you'd like to give Bob Coward a call, and uh, he's taking your questions on gardening or perhaps a little landscaping. So, What's an outro? An outro is a song that you play when you're leaving something. Oh, I thought we were coming in. Well. This is an outro that's being played as an intro. Okay. All right. I was confused for a second there. Well, so. you know the reason why we're playing an outro? No. Well, the people out there listening to the radio probably noticed a little dead air. Yeah. And that's because I was in the other room talking to our call screener, and I didn't realize that uh, we are about five seconds from going back on the air, and I was late. So I ran over to my seat. I punched a button that said, Bumper. But it was the outro bumper. Well, see, that's the beauty of live radio. You can I you can know. play around and do stuff like that, and it's well, all good. You know, I haven't been messing up that much lately. No. So, you know, you got to every once no, in a while. No, you're like a well-oiled machine, my friend. Well, thank you. You know, I have to mess up every once in a while to let people know that we are live radio. Yeah, you wouldn't want people to think that you're just some sort of a bot or something. You that's know? right. Actually, you... actually, you know, Dr. Pete comes in with a stethoscope and just you know, checks to make sure you're still breathing every time. Yeah, just make sure and wipe the flies off and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, just to prove that we're live radio, we have a caller. Uh, it's Sammy. Uh, he's calling in. Good good morning, Sammy. What's your question for Bob? Yes. Hi, Bob. This is Sammy. I, just, I have a question about my cannabis. They have some purple leaves on the bottom. Is that a nutrition deficiency and what? Uh, not necessarily. Uh it can be typically this time of year when it starts to get cold, it, depending on the variety, it can turn that color. Sometimes you'll have a magnesium deficiency early in the season that can cause that. Uh, but usually if they're turning purple at this time of year, that usually is just the natural course of that particular variety. Is there any research been done on putting zinc on cannabis that you know of? I'm sure there probably is. Uh I, I'm. There hasn't been a lot of research allowed on it simply because it's considered a Schedule One drug. So there hasn't been a lot of research that's been done on it other, in, other than at the University of Mississippi, which goes all the way back to the early 70s. So I suspect probably the University of Mississippi website would have more information about it than anybody. Well, I believe okay. that you can grow one or two plants nowadays in Michigan. So I think it's... 12 per person. Twelve? Twelve per person. Oh, wow. And if you I, have... I have a comment for that, uh, 
gentleman who talked about his leaves blowing to his neighbors. Yes. He has to remember the law of nature. His leaves will blow back to you. That's right. Well, yeah, that's been known to happen. That's right. Okay, I'll go put a little fertilizer on and harvest a little. Thank you. Hey, all thanks, right. Sammy. I appreciate the call, and uh, we're always willing to help out with you know, these problems that you may have with these uh, cannabis plants that are growing around your house. Well, you know, for 32 years of doing this show, we, we didn't have legalized cannabis in Michigan, so I didn't get a lot of calls. Occasionally, we'd get one every so often, but uh, now that it's legal, I get more people calling about that sort of stuff. Well, I suppose you do. But uh, Hey, we got Dave from Battle Creek, and uh, Dave, uh, what's your question? Uh, it's something to do with malts. Go ahead, Dave. Morning. Um, yeah, I've got uh, seven raised gardens, and they're 17 feet by four feet. And I'm not sure as to the number of bags of mulch that I want to buy to put on top before I plant my plants this spring. Well, it depends on the size it's of the bag. two inches tall or two inches deep. Yeah, it depends on the size of the bag you're getting. Uh, well, some bags yeah. are half a cubic foot, some are one cubic foot, some are two cubic foot, and some are three cubic foot. I would tell you that if you had a three cubic foot bag, that that is going to cover an area roughly three by three, or a one cubic foot bag is going to cover an area roughly one by one or one and a half by one. So uh depends on the variety of mulch you're using and the size of the bag. A good general rule is one cubic yard, which is 27 cubic feet, will cover an area roughly 10 by 10, 3 inches deep. So you got 17 by 4, that's about 68 square feet. You need roughly three quarters of a yard or probably about 18 one cubic foot bags to cover each bed. And that would be how deep? Two that, inches? That would roughly be about two inches deep. Okay. All right, so we're looking at one hundred bags. That would be <laughs> yeah, and probably the thing to do is is you might fi find buying it in bulk is a little bit cheaper than buying it in the bag, and it depends on the variety you're buying. You probably want to stay away from cedar mulch. Uh, probably don't want to necessarily use cypress mulch if you're putting it in a garden bed. So you're probably going to want to use like a hardwood mulch or a pine-based mulch in that bed. So it's going to kind of depend on what you're doing. Hardwood mulch, they sell in bulk at a lot of the uh, landscape supply places. And you what about can, that red mulch? What, what is that usually? Well, that's usually can be uh, pine and it can be hardwood, but it's dyed. And I would not recommend a dyed mulch for a garden bed. Not that it's going to be toxic to the plants, but it is made with a soy-based ink. And the problem with red is that, that ink comes off if you're working in the soil. Your hands and feet and everything else turn red. Mm -hmm. And okay. it's more expensive for a dyed mulch also. All right, yeah, figure that out. I guess. Yep. Just All right. Thank just, you. Just remember, one yeah. cubic one cubic yard, which is twenty seven cubic feet, does a ten by ten area three inches deep. Okay. So if you, right. if you got a one cubic bag, you're going to have twenty seven bags for a cubic yard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you to buy you, you get, get get to my age, you get these figures. Get kind of jumbled. <laughs> well, and if you I'll figure. if you buy it in bulk, if you buy it in bulk, one cubic yard is going to cover 
you know, 10 by 10, three inches deep, but you're probably going to pay about $42 a yard versus paying by the bag, you're probably going to be paying $80 a yard. So it's much more expensive buying that way. You could also take, and if you do it, I probably wouldn't do it today because it's so windy, you could also cover it with straw, which straw is an excellent ground cover for the winter too. Uh, And then you can just till that into the garden next spring. Yeah, the thing I have against straw, though, there's so much weed seeds in the straw from being, you know, when they harvest it. Yep. Uh, you're just planting weeds on top of the soil. That's right. That's right. So if you use a, a hardwood mulch, or you, you can even go to a place that sells uh, farm supplies, and they actually sell what's called uh, horse stall bedding or wood shavings. That's actually dried pine shavings. Those come in a big bale that's like a three or four cubic foot bale, uh, and you can use that, and that works very good as a, as a mulch also. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I've got everything, you know, all soiled and tilted and a lot of cream put in it and fertilized 12, 12, 12, in it, and then I covered it with, with the um, uh, mat or the weed cloth you put down. Yep. Now I'm just waiting until spring when I put my mulch down and I'm going to put, put my plants in just by cutting a little X in the... Well, you don't you don't want to put the fabric down and then put mulch over top because the no. mul- the fabric actually creates heat and keeps the weeds down. So if you actually cover up the fabric with your mulch, you're actually making the soil colder, and you really don't do a lot to prevent weed growth that way. It actually is not going to inhibit the weeds very readily. So what you do is put your mulch down now, and then in the springtime, about a week before you're ready to plant, then put your landscape fabric over top, or two weeks before you're ready to plant, put your landscape fabric over top, and that will do a much better job of keeping the weeds down, but it'll also heat up the soil for those warm season crops like tomatoes and peppers and squashes and cucumbers and so forth. Oh, okay. Well, I got the cart before the horse. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you happen to have that horse, just uh, those road apples that come out the back end are very good <laughs> fertilizer for your garden. That'll help also. Well, okay. All right. Well, I appreciate the help. All right. Good luck. Yeah, good yep. luck on that uh, mulch project, Dave. And uh, we're still here in the spring if you want to call for a, a reminder as to how to do that all again. Uh, I know I'd be calling again in the spring because uh, my wheels were turning and I couldn't understand what you <laughs> <laughs> Too much math for me. Light bulb was going on and off is what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah, well, my light bulb's a little dim these days. <laughs> 441-9595. Coming up, we have a caller from Kalamazoo. Four four one nine five nine five. It's four four one nine five nine five for Mr. Bob Coward. He's the cowardly gardener. And Bob, we have a caller from, I believe, Kalamazoo, and it's Lynn. She has a question about digging up floral bulbs. So go ahead, Lynn. What's your question? Good morning. Thank you for doing this program as well. Uh, It's so nice to be able to uh, call and get my questions answered. Um, My question actually is twofold. Uh, Digging up bulbs. I know that you need to 
dig up uh, elephant ear bulbs. Um, and you do not need to dig up tulip bulbs. How do you store the elephant ears and other bulbs? Do you cut the stems off and trim the roots off and then uh, put them in a basement? Or can they stay in a garage where it gets cold? Well, if if you have something like an elephant ear, which is a tropical plant that grows near the equator, those Uh don't want any kind of freezing or frost on them. You want to store them somewhere that's probably about 50 degrees. Thing to do is take them out of the pot and clean all the dirt off them with a hose or as much as you can with a brush or whatever. Get them all cleaned up, cut the dead tops off, cut as much of the roots off as you can. Let that thing set out on a newspaper for a couple days and dry up. And then what you want to do is get a little bit of powdered sulfur and put some sulfur dust on it. That's going to help prevent that thing from rotting. A lot of people will just store those in like a paper bag or a box or something like that. And then probably about first part to middle part of February, pot them back up into a pot that's maybe an inch to an inch and a half larger than the bulb and put them under a grow light and get them going again. And then by the time May comes around when it's ready to plant them outside, they'll be well established and started. And you can put them back either in the ground or back in a pot, however you grew them. Okay. I had them in the ground. And it was sad yesterday when I pulled them out of the ground that the leaves are just big and, and barely turning on the edges. Uh, but I did it. I left them outside hearing that we were going to have rain, so the rain could kind of wash them off. But I wasn't sure if I, how much, if any, of the stems that I, I should trim off. So that's good to know. Now, when I put the sulfur on them, the sulfur powder, do I leave them open on the, the newspaper, or yeah. do I wrap them up, or N- what? No, leave them out and leave them open. Um, some people will oh, store them in either dry peat moss or wood shavings, one of the two. Uh, but with an oh. ele- elephant ear, a lot of times that bulb is so big and has so much water in it that a lot of times it's better to let air flow around it, whether it's in a cardboard box or a bag, uh, and just let the air get to it. And then try to keep it somewhere where it's dark, you know, in a basement or a closet or somewhere where it's going to be fairly cool in the 50s and 60s and dark. Uh-huh. Are there any other type of uh, bulbs that we should be digging up? Well, any of like... I've got some. Like I said, I forgot the name of it. Um, I wish I could remember the names, but are there any in particular that need to be dug up for sure? Well, the the dahlias do. Dahlias is one that a lot of people will dig up. Cannas is another one people will dig up. Calla lilies is another one that people will dig up. So there's several of those what I call non-hardy bulbs that should be dug up. Your daffodils, your tulips, your hyacinths, those things all need to stay in the ground because they need that cooling period in order to bloom the following spring. But those tropical ones get dug up and come in. Okay. my Thank you. I appreciate that. My second question is on mum plants. This year, uh, I've always had success with mum plants. This year, I've acquired at least a dozen more. And... I'm wondering what is the best thing to do when the, the flowers dry and turn brown and the, the stems turn, you know, woody. Do you turn them off before the snow flies or just leave it? Leave that up because with mums, they have a very shallow root system. And if you cut all that off, the snow will not gather around that crown. And those, those stems actually pre- uh, protect the crown of that plant. 
So you want to leave those up and allow the snow to gather around them uh, for winter. And the thing I would tell you to do is after today, go out there and water those things thoroughly because we are in in drought conditions and mums, since they're a shallow-rooted plant, can use a little extra drink. The ground is just like dust right now, so it's not a bad idea to give those babies a little drink this week. And that will really help them get their roots set for winter and even into this fall. That's great to know. I appreciate your answers. Thank you so much, Bob. All right. Good luck. On my way outside now. <laughs> All right. 441-9595, 441-9595 if you have a question for Bob. And, Bob, we got Nancy out there. She's trying to get yucca plants. So uh, what's the deal on these yucca plants, Nancy? Good morning. Good morning. I'm trying to get rid of two yucca plants. Is that possible? They're very difficult to get rid of. Uh, The thing I've found that works the best on them is if you dig them up as much as you can get and then any remaining root that you see below ground, if you would put a little bit of brush killer and on there when on that fresh cut, that'll have a tendency to knock them down pretty good. But I had some in my front yard. I dug them up and then I just mowed over them for the better part of about five years and then they finally went away. Oh, really? It's going to take that long, huh? Well, if you put brush killer on that on that root that's down there, that'll usually knock it out pretty well. Uh, but to say that one application of brush killer is going to kill it, I would probably be lying to you. Okay, so continue the brush killer and see how it goes yep usually usually if you do an application now it'll draw into that root and it'll kill it off for winter and then if you get a little piece of it next spring then you can probably go in there and just keep them mowed down or or dug out as best you can okay thank you for your time my back hurts thinking about your project oh it it, i've already dug them up i think at least three times but yeah and and it may be and it may be five or six before you're done did you know Thank though? You. Did you know though that they actually sell the root of that for uh, food? I was down at Horrocks and they sell yucca root down there. So, you know, you were throwing all that away. You could have been selling it all this time. It sounds like a salad to me. That's right. I, uh, I'll check into that. <laughs> all right. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Four four one nine five nine five four four one nine five nine five. If you have a question for Mister Gar uh, Bob Coward and Bob, we do have Ruth. She's calling from Dowling. So what's up, Ruth? Well, about five years ago, I got a um, a no no um, shoot a juju bush, and. It took off and it was kind of spindling. I did everything to it and it started growing. Well, when it started growing, it come right up almost like a willow. Great big long branches and no fruit. Then I cut it back because it was so long. Then it started getting a little bit of fruit, but they were real hard berries. The birds loved them, but I was told those were good to eat. But Two or three times during its growing season, it gets very long and shaggy, and I cut it back, and it just keeps growing. And those fronds come right out like five or six feet, just like a raspberry bush. Mm-hmm. And they're in an awkward place, and I don't know if I want to keep it or get rid of it. 
Well, I have a, have a rule when it comes to stuff in your garden. If it's something that uh, you spend a lot of time working on and don't get much results or it's something that you don't like and don't eat, you probably want to get rid of it. So it's like in my case, I don't like squash. So I usually don't grow squash because I have no interest in it. So grow things you like and grow things that are expensive in the store is a good rule to go by. Well, this juju bush, when I seen it and where they had it and everything, I have it at the corner of the house. And um, it's just, I, I, it was not what they advertised. So I'll probably have to dig it out. But, oh, my goodness, does that thing grow? I, it sounds like so, it's in a good spot and it loves that spot. But if it's not producing fruit that you want to eat, it's basically a well, plant out of place, which berries, is a weed. Well, are those berries good for anything they said they were high in vitamin c and a lot of antioxidants they are and and with those you typically want to have two plants to get good pollination which sounds like you only have one and usually if you have two plants and get better pollination the fruit's a lot better oh all right well i really appreciate it thank you all right good luck 441-9595 is Bob Coward, the Cowardly Gardener. And Bob, Estelle's calling from Sherwood. She has a question about blueberries. Go ahead, Estelle. Good morning. Thank you for the show. Um, my blueberries give me blueberries twice a year. In the beginning, in the spring, and then and when it gets close to fall, it gives me another group of them. And I'm uh, not understanding why. But I'm happy for it. But uh, what do you suggest? Well, there are varieties of blueberries that are considered ever bearers or will produce two crops a year. So that's probably what you have is a variety that will produce two crops a year. So I would probably eat them and enjoy them, I guess. I do. Uh, the other thing is uh, I was going to let them just go natural this year and see because they've gotten up to my shoulder. And I was just going to let them not trim them back this year and see what happens. Because a lot of times when I trim it, all the berries are underneath. That's so, true. So I want to try and let it go and see what happens this next year. And uh, I got uh, seven plants that are the double uh, ever bearing or twice bearing. And then I got two little ones that don't grow very big. But they produce a whole bunch of berries. But they're they're like dinky ones. Yes. They're just not the same kind. I got two different kinds because you said you need two different kinds. That's right. And and probably what you have is there's one called Top Hat and, and uh, I believe North Star. There's some varieties that are real dwarf that are only going to be, you know, two feet tall. They still produce a good berry. They just don't get very big. And then there's other varieties that will get six to eight to ten feet tall. The ones that get big, you're better off to start at the bottom and prune your way up versus starting at the top and pruning your way down. Remove any of the stems that are in there that are real gray and woody and aren't necessarily got a lot of leaves on them is what you want to take off and then prune off some of that low stuff because it's a lot easier to pick the berries that are in your face versus having to bend over and pick down by your shoe top. So if you take some of that lower stuff off this time of year, you'll prune to the top and those berries will be bigger at the top and produce better at the top. Well, and I have a question about the blackberries. I put some blackberries in and they don't have spines they don't have stickers on them that's not unusual we've we've bred so many of these things that don't have thorns 
Uh, general rule in Michigan is that if you have ones that are thornless, if you get a really bad winter, those can die off. Um, but they bred so many of those that are that are thornless. That's not an unusual thing. If you look hard, you can find ones with thorns if the thorns make you happier. But most people don't <laughs> like the don't like the thorns. <laughs> well, no, and uh, I want to say that I thank you for uh, suggesting that black paper or material to put with the uh, with the uh, peppers, bell peppers. My crop was humongous, and I've never been able to get big bell peppers, and they are so pricey in this store, but I sure put a lot in the freezer. Well, I'll <laughs> it tell you, it, wonderful... it, it, it makes all the difference in the world on peppers. It does on cucumbers and cantaloupe and other things too, but I found with peppers, if you just put them in the ground, and don't put landscape fabric around them. They might get maybe a foot to a foot and a half tall. You put landscape fabric on them, those things might be, depending on the variety, anywhere from knee high to chest high and will produce three to five times the amount of crop of just planting them straight in the soil. Oh, they're beautiful. And I've never done anything for um, the fall crops because of the cabbage moss. But I went to the, gar- uh, to the fabric store and found this mesh that ladies use for... Well, um, underneath clothes and and anyway, it's like a, a netting. Yes. And uh, it was eighty cents a yard, and so I got that wrapped around my my uh, Brussels sprouts and my uh, cauliflower, and not my Brussels sprout, but broccoli. And I actually have some this year. That's right, and that's basically, for lack of a better term, that's a floating row cover, is what they call that, and that'll keep the cabbage moth off there. I just wrapped it on the plant. I didn't. I did the over the top thing and the wind just kept blowing it off so i just wrapped it around the plant yep and that (laughs) works fine that'll actually speed up the growth of the plant too because that helps keep the warmth in on cool days well well love your show and thank you much for the time given and have a blessed day all right you too Yes, Bob Coward. He's the Bauer, uh, cowardly gardener. I'm trying to read and uh, talk at the same time. I don't do too good at that. But, Bob, coming up after this break, we have Carol from Bedford. Hi, friends. This bag under my eye would just go away. If that sounds like you every morning, you're not alone. Under eye bags and puffiness are problems for millions of American men and women until now. Try the new Genucil Serum with plant stem cell technology. And with its instant effects, you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back guaranteed. Order now at Genucel.com slash radio and save 65% off Genucel's most popular package. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash radio, Genucel.com slash radio. If you're like the way I used to be and you suffer from insomnia, there's nothing worse. Well, all things MyPillow.com changed my life. I now fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And the best part is you can too. These products work. And Mike Lindell, he works every day to get you a great night's sleep. His latest incredible deal is on Giza Dream Sheets. I've been raving about them before. Now, these sheets are made from the world's best cotton Giza. They're the softest sheets you'll ever sleep in. And by the way, they're breathable and durable. And right now, Giza Dream Sheets are at the lowest price ever. And these sheets are 60% off 
coming in now as low as $39.99 when you go to the Sean Hannity Square at MyPillow.com. And when you go there, they have other deep discounts on over 150 other great MyPillow products. Check them out for yourself. See what the special of the day is. You can call and also ask about it. It's 800-919-6090. Mention my name, Hannity, to get these great savings and these great specials. 95.3 WBCK. It's Bob Coward. He's the Cowardly Gardener at 441-9595. That's 441-9595. And, Bob, we have Carol from Bedford. So what's happening, Carol? Well, I have a strawberry vanilla hydrangea bush. Mm-hmm. And it did really well the first year, and I want to be able to keep it through the winter. So do I want to put any mulch around the bo- the base of it? It's a good idea if there's no mulch around it now. Uh, well, there isn't, and I worry because I put a little fence around it to keep the deer from eating it off. But um, as I looked and, and noticed that all I got is just the, the stem sticking there, and there's no protection around it, and I kind of worry about it, you know, freezing out. Well, they're very, very hardy. Um, but mulch helps to hold the soil moisture in, and the soil is very dry right now, so mulch just, will definitely help leaves with that. Okay, is I just pile leaves around it? Okay, leaves would be okay, and if you put a fence around it like you did, that's a good thing because the deer do enjoy chewing on those things. They oh, especially yeah. enjoy chewing on them in the early spring when they leaf out, but they will certainly chew on them in the winter months too. And what about trimming it back? Do I want to do anything with it? It's fairly small. You could trim them now. Um, I prefer to trim them in the spring, but you can certainly trim them now. I've trimmed some this week, so it's it's a personal choice thing. I usually cut them back roughly one-third, and then if there's any branches that are growing real low to the ground or towards the ground, I usually trim those off. You know, trim them up three, four, five, six inches so you can get mulch around them and work around the base of them. Right. Do I want to put any fertilizer on it for the winter? It's not a bad idea. If you want to put something like Hollytone or 12-12-12, that would be great. Okay. And, okay, I guess that's all I needed. Thank you very much. All right. One of my favorite spots, beautiful downtown Bedford. Hey, Bob, we got a call from Kalamazoo. It's Scott, and he has a trouble with grass growing under a tree. Boy, that sounds like a bummer, Scott. What's going on over there in Kalamazoo? Hi, Bob. Uh, the problem is I can't get grass to grow directly underneath the canopy of the trees on my in my yard. Um, they're primarily oaks. I have an irrigation system, so it seems like they get plenty of water. But uh, And if there's any indication of the soil type, I do get some moss growing in in place of the grass. Well, you got a few things going on. Number one, those areas where you're not getting grass, how often do you mow that? Uh, well rarely because it just doesn't get high enough to cut that's good stay away from it actually what you can do is actually put mulch in those areas and you'll have pretty good results or if you insist on having grass what you can do is in the springtime typically in april your lawn is growing like crazy in the places that aren't shaded take any extra grass clippings you get and spread those in those thin areas and just allow those to lay about an inch thick. That will actually grow grass in those areas. But then remember in the summer months, basically June, July, and early August, don't mow in those areas because the grass is not growing roots 
and it will, you know, basically thin your grass out and not do very well. Typically under trees, you have very low levels of potash, so it's not a bad idea to get a soil test done this fall. You can take soil sample and then take it over to the Farm Bureau and Climax and have them do a soil test on it to determine what your potash levels are. If you need additional potash, you can still put that on this fall or even next spring. So good idea to get your soil tested and then put your extra grass clippings in those areas and stay away from it with a mower and you'll do a pretty good job. Now, having said that, oak trees don't like to be under irrigation. So you may actually be slowly killing your trees to death. Oh, okay. I've seen many a places. Advice. I've seen many a places where they had giant oak trees and then put irrigation in, and within ten to fifteen years, the oak trees get my favorite tree disease, butt rot, and die, tip over and die. Okay. All right. Very good to know. Thank you. Thank you for the tips, Bob. All right. Good luck, Bob. We got Marilyn calling from Battle Creek. She has a couple of questions. Go ahead, Marilyn. Um, I want to know how to get my hibiscus ready for winter. Well, which kind of a hibiscus? Tropical hibiscus? No. No, it's it's a couple years old. Is it one that's a perennial or is it one that's like a tree? Uh, I think it's perennial. Well, if it's perennial, you just leave the stems up and don't mess with it until spring. Cut those right down to the ground in the spring because the stems you see now are not coming back. If it's a tropical hibiscus, those won't make it outside, so you need to bring those in. And if that's the case, you need to take and probably spray that with something so you don't get bugs on it and then cut it back roughly one-third. Yeah, it's definitely not tropical. Okay. I've had, yeah, it isn't. The other thing I wondered about is I got a beautiful um, mixed planter this year that had pink geraniums in it they were so pretty how can i winter those over uh with those you can usually just pull them up out of the pot and then just stick them in a paper bag and leave them in there for probably a month or two and then about the first part of february pot them back up into soil and put them under a grow light and they'll take right off again okay all right thank you so much all right good luck (laughs) bye now Hey, Bob, we have George calling from Battle Creek. He has a question about some dark green grass. So go for it, George. Yeah, hi, guys. Morning. Now, in my backyard, about 15, 20 foot out, it's nice, beautiful green. And then, like, another 15, 20 foot, it's like a yellowish. It turns yellow. Mm -hmm. And is that the kind of grass it is? or Yes. You probably have one of two things. You either have bent grass, which is very common because we have so many golf courses. Bent grass is what they put on golf course tees and greens. And once we get a frost, that basically will turn brown this time of year. Or you have zoysia grass, which is a southern grass. And as soon as you get a frost, that will turn brown. So not much you can do about either one of those other than to take a side cutter and cut them out and replace them with a cool season grass like Kentucky bluegrass. Now, can I just spread seed down in the spring, and, and would that come up? And As long as you don't put a crabgrass preventer down, yes. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. And uh, another another thing I wanted to ask you, um, my neighbors get their lawns, you know, sprayed or whatever. They have someone come in and spray them. They got beautiful green grass. And I use scotch and all the good stuff, and... 
mine just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't turn out like them. And is there a trick I can do to get it? I would take and get a soil test done. Uh, take samples okay. from 8 or 10 or 12 spots in the lawn. You want the soil from the root zone about 2 to 4 inches deep. Mix that all together. Take out any sticks and roots and rocks and let it dry on a piece of paper overnight. And then put it in a bag. You need about a Ziploc sandwich size bag full. And then take that over to the Farm Bureau and Climax and have them send it off to the lab and see what your soil has got in it. Whether it needs potash or pH is right or whatever. Okay, and then they'll tell me what I need to put on it or whatever. That's right. Okay, all right. Okay, guys, have a good weekend. All right, good luck. And, Bob, we have time for one more call, and it's Julie from Battle Creek. Go ahead, Julie. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I heard you talk about a um, weed killer you can put down right now. I do a fall fertilizer, but what is the weed killer? Is it weed and feed, or is it? Well, you can use a weed and feed, but that doesn't work as well on things like chickweed and clover and some of those. Weed-free zone is the product I was talking about, and that works at cooler temperatures and will knock out things like ground ivy, chickweeds, clovers, and things like that. So I can get that in a dry form? No. Nope, you get it in a liquid. You got to spray it. Okay, weed-free zone. Okay. Weed-free zone. Okay, and also I uh, grow my tomatoes and cucumbers in pots. Didn't do well this year. I don't know what I did wrong, but I know I trimmed off the bottom stems the first few weeks. Was that wrong? Probably not the best thing to do to be trimming them too much. Um, If you're using the same soil year after year, it's probably a good idea to get a new bag of soilless mix and start with fresh soil and then you want to fertilize those things with a liquid fertilizer about once a week throughout the growing season having said that this was not a great year for growing tomatoes they did okay but it was not a great year okay same thing with my green peppers they just didn't get big and i did everything you just said so and i i have trouble keeping the squirrels out of those pots and my flower pots what can i put in them Uh, If you would take and water your pot first and then sprinkle black pepper around there, they get a snoop full of black pepper. They don't like it. Yes, Bob Coward. He's the Cowardly Gardener. He'll be back next week at 10 a.m. So thanks for coming in tonight or to this morning. It looks like night. It's good. Yeah, darker can be out there. So, well, we'll see you next week. A little more Sammy to leave us. Yeah, here's Sammy. It's not.